Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to American Pale Males, your nerdy beer tasting podcast. My name is Michael, and with me is my co-host for the evening. And for always, it's me, Jeremy. Michael, yes. how have you been? I've been doing well, Jeremy. How are things on your end? I've, I'm having some grill-related mishaps, so I'm a bit cranky, but okay. it's nothing that can't be dealt with. So, Especially with the work of a fine ale, lager, lambic, or, or dot, 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 who question knows? Mark. Jeremy, I'm going to swerve you a little bit. You mentioned you had a wood... Well, if this is a sore subject with the grill, just let me no, know. No, go but. ahead. It was my own fault. I forgot to <laughs> refill the stupid thing. Um, you said it was a wood pellet grill? Yes, sir. That's correct. It, so uh, what kind of wood do you put in there then? How does Is it just like charcoal but wood basically? No. So you plug it into the wall. It's It looks like one of those uh, smokers that you see on like barbecue challenges. Okay. So it's got like, uh, it looks like a barrel tilted on its side. Oh, And then okay. it's got this little hopper on the side. And what I failed to do when I came home in a hurry was refill the hopper with these little wood pellets. They look like uh, hamster food. Oh, sure. Little, okay. Pellets. Yeah. And so uh, it's got a thermometer on the inside and you turn it on. You go like, okay, I want to do the this chicken at 475 degrees. Oh. And then you turn it on and the little, there's an auger on the inside and it sort of feeds the pellets into the flame. It belches out white smoke for a while. And then once it gets up to temperature, you throw your food in there. And so even if you are not smoking something in the low and slow traditional way, you still mm -hmm. get a nice hearty wood flavor to it. Oh, I see. So is that the advantage, just the unique flavor that the wood pellets give? Um, It's that, and it's also, it's nice to be able to know exactly what the temperature is inside of a grill. Yeah. Um, the downside Not is Not just that, flames rolling, licking all over the place. True. Um, the only downside is that because it's essentially an oven... Because mm -hmm. it's, you know, indirect heat. Uh, you don't really get sear marks on your food, which for oh, some okay. people is a problem. Uh, I have a grill pan that's cast iron that I throw in there. And then, you know, you just pop it on there for a minute or two to finish things up. And you're good to go and you got a nice char on it. Um, like, a, like a Burger King commercial. Not exactly, because they <laughs> usually have flames encircling the beef. But uh, basically, yeah, what, you're, what you said. Okay. Well, thank you for that explanation, Jeremy. I, yes. You, you piqued my interest there before the show, and I just had to ask. Oh, no, it's totally fine. I'm just going to remember to fill the stupid thing next time. <laughs> Jeremy, I want to go to APM Pod Book Club. Oh, okay. Um, I actually read two books lately. Really? One I'm going to save for the next episode. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you about one that I really liked this first episode. <laughs> yeah, this, yes. For you and me, we're doing two in a row, part the kimono. Uh, so you'll hear about it in 30 minutes, but the audience will have to wait for the second book Sure. for a week. You have um, to wait for a week. So I'm reading, and you may have heard of this, maybe not, a fantasy series okay. called The King Killer Chronicle. I'm not aware. It's by Patrick Rothfuss. Rothfuss? And he kind of pals around with the Penny Arcade guys every once in a ah, while. Ah, okay. Yes. Um, and so that's the reason I discovered it just cause mm -hmm. Penny Arcade and he's in their D and D series. So I'm like, Oh, I gotta see what all the hype is about with this guy in this book. And it took a long, I had it on hold <laughs> at the library for like, uh, six months now and it Holy finally crap. came in. 
So it's yeah. popular, is what you're telling me. Well, it was an ebook too, so there's oh. kind of limited copies. But jeez. And so this is a three-part series. Um, and I read the first part, obviously. It's called The Name of the Wind. And the writing is really good. Okay. And it's, so it's a fantasy series about a young boy and his turning into this powerful kind of part warrior, part mage. Um, but it reads almost like a memoir. And it oh. flows really well. And it's not overtly oozing with fantasy tropes. Mm-hmm. It's actually... Almost a little kind of steampunk element in there, again, without being oozing with steampunk. Sure. It's it's very subtle. That can also be a little bit too irritating. Yes. It's kind of a story within a story. It starts out in this pub, and then the main character recounts his past, and that becomes the story. And it almost has like a Forrest Gump-like feel without the overt anti-hippie message. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Forrest Gump has got that in spades. The uh, right wing. Pretty much. <laughs> it has that memoir feel recounting the past. And so it, you might think, oh, it's all like trolls and magical princess and wizards. No, it's very subtle in that regard. And it actually starts out with his beginnings in kind of an acting troupe and moves on. He kind of becomes a urchin on the streets for a while. Then he gets admitted into this university, slowly progressing that. So it ends with him still in the university. So it's called the King Killer Chronicle. So I assume he's going to kill a king at some point. <laughs> so book two, I'm going to get book two. Book three is still being written. So book one came out in 2007, book two, 2011. And now book three, still yet on release. A little of the George R. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was 661 pages. Book two is 993 pages. Yeah, that'll happen. So they're, they're fantasy novels in that regard, uh-huh. but um, highly recommended. Very long book, but easy to read, just the way it's written and flows. So, mm-hmm. Michael, that's interesting that you bring up uh, serialized books, trilogies, as it happens, because I, too, am in the midst of a trilogy. Ooh, is this part of your yearly reading goal it is climbing up the ladder this is number 17 of 30 okay whoa um and actually i think i might i have like two or three pages left my uh my bus ride this afternoon went a little bit quicker than anticipated so i'm not quite finished with it Mm. but i'm reading the glasgow trilogy by malcolm mckay and i had never heard of any of this and to be completely honest i don't know how i came across it Mm mm-hmm because I've only had the book for a couple weeks. Basically, I saw that it was uh, like Scottish crime fiction. And I was like, all right, uh-huh. I'm in. Because I loved Glasgow. It seemed like, from what I remembered, it seemed like the perfect place to set a, a seedy crime universe. Definitely. Have you been to Glasgow? I have looked into traveling there, so I kind of picked up a lot about it. But It doesn't feel as hard as it is. Okay. I'll put it there. But was it, was it full of dreck? The whole time, just raining? Not really. No, it was actually pretty nice when I was there. Oh, okay. But uh, <laughs> um, but anywho, it's about a uh, young hitman who's about to turn 30, and he gets involved, and in, he gets sent out on a job. The, the first book is called The Necessary Death of Lewis Winter, which pretty mm-hmm. much gives you exactly what the, uh, the story's about. He, uh, he is a freelance hitman, and there's this big world of... The various hitmen, drug dealers, crime families, organizations, whatever you want to call it, that reside in Scott and uh, 
Glasgow, I imagine. And he gets he takes this job from a a man. I'm trying not to give too much away. Yeah, very and uh, careful. Well, he he gets sent to kill this man, Lewis Winter, who is like a low level drug dealer. I'm pretty sure that it was designed as a trilogy because I'm about three pages away from the end of the first book. And there's been little to no resolution of anything that's happened in there. <laughs> right. And on that aspect, it's frustrating. Because had I not been able to pick up the other two books right, right away, I would be left to like, all right, well, you didn't finish this end, you didn't finish that end, you finished, and so on and so forth. And it's just about him coming to terms with whether or not this is actually the life for him, I think. Okay. But it kind of seems like they're setting up a bigger, like, gang war for lack of a better term, to happen in subsequent books. Um, what I really like about the book is the world building. Okay. Um, the, the characterization is great. He kind of writes like a like a Scottish James Elroy, except not as racially charged. Okay. <laughs> um, just really short, clipped sentences. That, it's also got this unique shifting first person. So he'll be talking, and it's in present tense, which is also weird. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you don't see that very often. No. He goes. He goes to the door and opens it. There is a man there. The, the man enters the you know things of that nature. That gives it some immediacy, maybe. It does give it some immediacy because you don't. There's no, like, overt foreshadowing or like. But little did he know. Dot dot dot. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm pretty sure I've said drives me insane. Sure. The, the characterizations in the world building are just fantastic, and I cannot wait to start the next ones. Apparently, there's a few more set in this universe that kind of deal with the some of the side characters and their stories, which I am all in for, but I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm digging into the, the next one as soon as I finish with the first one. The Glasgow Trilogy, Malcolm McKay. Check into it, because... I rather enjoy the first one, despite its uh, lack of closure. Sounds like we both found good trilogies in our faved genres. It's true, but I have a feeling that I'll be able to finish all three of them in the time it'll take you to finish the second one. <laughs> right. Because they're about 300-ish pages apiece. And oh, okay. Th- so it's, it took me a while to get going because the world gets busy. But once you start going, like, I think I've read about 150 pages in the past two days. So hmm. these things shouldn't take me too long. Maybe I'll have to check that out because you turned me on to kind of the mystery yeah. crime drama with oh, the yeah. Harry, Harry Hooley series. And actually, the book I'm going to talk about next week, Cliffhanger, is of a similar genre. Interesting. I, th- I could have sworn you was going to be the second book in your trilogy. <laughs> and then you just hadn't told me. Because that would have been a good switcheroo. Speaking of switcheroo. Yes. The podcast is about beer. Jeremy, what do you have for a beer brag this week? So, Michael, uh, this past week I was, past weekend, I suppose, I was in Davenport, Iowa for a wedding of a good friend of mine. Oh, that was in Davenport. Nice. It was in Davenport. Um, slash Rock Island. Mm-hmm. It's it's right there in the Quad Cities for the, those who are not from the area. The wedding venue was just up the hill from Bent River Brewing Company, or at least one of their tap rooms. Okay. Um, so you may remember some time ago that I disavowed any and all pepper beers due to a jalapeno pepper ale. 
Yes. Okay. Oh. That jalapeno pepper ale came from Bent River. And it's, oh. And it still exists. Okay. And it, that's not my beer brag. <laughs> okay, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> my problem with the jalapeno ale that I had is that it was... The, the heat did not jive with the beer, and it was a little bit too much like just chomping into a fresh green pepper. Um, it was uh, way too vegetal. Veget, vegetal? Vegetably. Vegetably. There's a good word for it. <laughs> when we rolled into the tap room after the rehearsal dinner, we found that they had a mango habanero imperial wheat. Now, mm, Wheat? Habanero. Okay. So... <laughs> I I was I was not about to get a full pint of this. Okay, fair enough. Because who knows what's going to happen. But in the interest of providing content for this show, which is what I'm all about every day, I did manage to snag a taster of it. Okay. So just a small like one to two ounce pour. Yes. Um, and it was actually pretty good. Whoa, okay. Um I don't exactly remember what the malts were in the jalapeno pepper ale uh-huh. but it didn't really stand up to the the flavors that the peppers did or maybe the peppers just weren't balanced okay uh, i don't know but this one it definitely had the heat i don't know if it had as much heat as a habanero should have because i don't tangle with those things <laughs> yeah but it wasn't as bad as the uh the ghost pepper but i th- oh, i th- yeah. <laughs> i think the fact that it was an imperial wheat and tempered with some mangoes really helped it out. Nah, uh, I could see that, yeah. The, a little the su- more bulk. A little bit more bulk. It was sweeter. Okay. So I, I really think that that kind of tempered it down. The mango came through quite well. No one is more surprised than me that I liked this. I was prepared to hate it. Mm-hmm. I was told that I looked like I was you know, walking down the green mile as I was waiting for the bartender <laughs> to come over. But... uh. Yeah, four stars. I really wow. dug it. I, I don't know if I could do a pint, but maybe like a Pilsner glass of it. Mm-hmm. A draw or something? A draw, yeah. yeah there you go. So kudos Ooh. to you, Bent River. It. Uh, I did not see that one coming. Redemption. Redemption. Very good. What about yourself, Michael? What do you got for me? Well, I have, I'm going to change up my beer brag, and I found this article on, let's see, it's on Thrillist.com. Mm-hmm. And it's by Andy Kreza, Matt Lynch, and Lee Breslauer. Oh, those guys. Yeah. getting Just giving credit where credit's due. Sure. And it's the most underrated brewery in every state. Underrated? Yes. Interesting. This article will give you their top rated and the most underrated. So I thought we could pick out a few states, kind of ah. make a little guessing game of it. And um, yeah, just see see if we agree, see if... Do you have any thoughts on it? Uh huh. All right. Well, where do we should we start with Iowa? Let's start with Iowa. We we're just okay. talking about Iowa breweries. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I think I looked at this one, so I won't. I'll let you go for it. Top rated has to be Toppling Goliath. Right on, Jeremy. Okay. Because I mean, a it's justified, and b it's the only one that people know when they think of Iowa. I don't. I don't know. It's the it's the only one that seems to have any uh, national cachet. Underrated. That's that's tricky. Now it might be surprising. It's kind of okay. a coincidence. It's Pulpit Rock, isn't it? No, it's Great River Brewery. Great River. 
in Davenport. As opposed to Bent River. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Yeah, it's this great river. That's different. <laughs> Michael, you may uh, remember the original incarnation of Great River Brewing. Oh, that was the one in Iowa City, right? It was. It was the old Capital Brewers. Oh, now it's all clicking and together. And then they sold all their gear and the uh, the brewery part of the building and moved to Davenport. Side note, I was also at Great River this past weekend. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's, it's all fresh. But uh, underrated, underrated is such a hard concept to wrap my head around. Right. Because well, it, has to, it has to be really good, but not too good, because otherwise right. more people would know about it. Yeah, I think it just means like maybe kind of up and coming or... They've been around for 20 years. Yeah, but like growing? I don't Yeah, it's hard to... I, maybe I don't, I don't know if they're growing. I don't... It doesn't feel like I see them in like grocery stores. Let's see what they say. Let's see. Uh, when you're talking about the single best brewery, that means that so many others aren't being talked about that are more than worthy of discussion. Underrated, one might even call them. So maybe it just kind of gets buried wow. under all the hype of the top brewery. Uh huh. So yeah, it, it meh, there's maybe a little underhandedness there with that calling it underrated, but well, I think it just kind of is like, hey, check this out. You know, mm-hmm. I liked New Capital, but old New, New Capital. <laughs> I like New Capital, <laughs> New the Capital. one in Des Moines. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Capital Brewing yeah, when it was yeah. in Iowa City. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it was good. They they made the the uh, the pumpkin beer that all other pumpkin beers are judged by in my mind. They made one mm. that tasted straight up like pie, and then they changed the oh, recipe, and then no. it didn't taste like pie anymore. <laughs> and it made me a sad panda because now pumpkin beer is ruined for me. I'll forever be chasing that dragon, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Um, should we go to Wisconsin? Yeah, well, that's got it. The you're gonna to have to help me with this one. Uh, okay. Number one has to be like New Glarus, right? Yes, you are okay. correct, okay. sir. And I know about the underrated one, but I haven't had too much of them. There's a, again, maybe that's hmm. the point. Um, Central Waters Brewing, which is kind of oh, up by okay. Stevens Point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they actually get distribution down here. Yes. We'll have to so hit I might them have up. To try a little, a few more of theirs. Yeah, definitely. I, I've had one or two, but not that many. It's just one of those. I mean, I always hate to be to like admit these things, but the packaging just doesn't jump out at you. Yeah. And, and when yeah. you uh, when you see these things, and like, if it's something from around you, so say Exile or Bent River or Toppling Goliath, it doesn't matter what the what the packaging looks like because you know, having had it before or hearing about it, what the mm-hmm. product is. Whereas if you're getting something just off the shelf. And you know nothing if it's just four breweries that you've never heard of before, and you are going to pick one of those. I mean, you go with what draws the eye, or at least I do. Yeah, I it's yeah, it's a a fact. It is a fact. Good or bad, it kind of yeah. It it does have tasteful artwork. I can say yes. that. I like the artwork. It's just not eye popping. Right. But. It's not like Santa jumping off a diving board into a bunch of severed heads or something like that that would know. be pretty awesome can <laughs> uh-huh. we, so for the next beer that we make for uh from from brew hoo hoo i want that label okay we'll you're gonna see have to work on that it, i'll give i'm giving you some time we had, don't have one in the pipe quite yet head first ale <laughs> should we do a big state like colorado i haven't looked at that yet so yeah let's do colorado i'm thinking 
um, New Belgium. Yeah, probably. And then uh, underrated. Underrated could be something we haven't heard of, but uh, let's see. We've got be... Boulder. We've got Breckenridge. We've got Great Divide. Oh, wow. Great Divide. There's that one. There's the Ska Brewing in Durango. Oh yeah, because they ha- there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I remember being in. I've been to Durango, but it was like almost 20 years ago, and I really, I was just like, man, that would be cool because they have a ska festival every year, and it would be awesome to go see a ska festival with ska brewing. But uh, Great Divide is pretty popular, right? Yeah, I would say so. Here, here, here's what it is. All right. New Belgium, we were right on New Belgium. Okay. Top rated is Avery Brewing Company. Oh, okay. And they say, how the hell can one of the largest craft breweries in the country possibly be underrated when it's in the same state where Great Divide, Avery, Odell, Oscar Blues, and Crooked Stave brew their incredible beers? I've had Crooked Stave. They make weird stuff. Yeah. And I, I've been to Avery. Was uh, was Avery the uh, the top rated or the most underrated? Um, or have we gotten there yet? No, wait. I'm. I think I got this twisted. I think you did. Top rated is Avery. Underrated is New Belgium. Under <laughs> what? To me, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I like Avery. They're. Uh, I just wouldn't call New Belgium un- underrated. Underrated. They have national distribution, don't they? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I. Hmm. Gonna have to check Let's into see this here. Yeah, it's like th- Avery's good, but I don't know. I had their vanilla bean stout at Dark Lord Day, and it just was not hitting the spot. It yeah. was not. It was not. Avery makes really weird beer, they in make, my opinion. They're hit when or I, miss for me. Yeah, when I went there, I had a few like, like a couple Bretts and a couple mm-hmm. just more oddball ones, and. Maybe I should have stuck with some more mainstream ones because I was like not feeling it so much. But um, in the article, they they mentioned Fat Tire and they say when we reduced the brewery down to its most popular beer, that's a way of discounting it, especially considering it releases solid brews year after year, many of which are new releases. Um, then talks about Lips of Faith and IPA Citradelic, and so. Did we do Citradelic? I don't think so. I I every time I'm at the store and I see those weird fruit beers, I just get. I get the pea shivers, Michael, because the both of them that we had were not good. Oh, like the New Belgium ones? The, the watermelon and the cherry almond. And, yeah. Uh, uh. Um, good good beer. Uh, let's, let's do uh, one more. California. Yes. Okay. Again, lots to choose from. The best one has got to be Stone or maybe not Ballast Point since they're sellouts and people hate yeah, sellouts. Yeah, same with Lagunitas. Yeah. Um, Let's go Stone, unless you can think of a different one. Um, Sierra Nevada is out there. Good point. I don't know. I, th- I would say Stone is more vaunted than Sierra Nevada, though. I'm gonna I'm gonna go controversial, Michael. I'm gonna go Stone for best and Sierra Nevada for most underrated. If we're if we're in a world where uh, New Belgium can be underrated, anything is possible. Up is down. Cats are marrying dogs. All right. Fair enough. Here we go. The underrated one is indeed Sierra Nevada, Jerry. Top rated. And maybe we, you don't think about this brewery too much, but they always are on top 10 lists and stuff. Russian River Brewing Company. Ah, dang it. I yes. forgot that that was, in, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, oh, Pliny the Elder. Yeah, right, oh, right. Oh, it's so good. So a good list. Check yeah. it out on Thrillist. Um, good write-ups for each state, too, that justify why they chose it. So well, enough of that, Michael. We have, uh, we have beers to find, drink, and rate, also right. known as the FDR. What do we got? And this week, you say beers, Jeremy, but this week... Ha <laughs> ha! Lil Mandy wants a cider. Um, <laughs> we have a cider. And it's Good. Crispin Original Hard Cider. Nice. Classic. So, I actually have some info on Crispin. Hit me up, buddy. I.E. I have the Wikipedia page open. That works. Formerly located and founded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, back in 2004... Which makes sense because Minnesota is a big apple. It's big apple country up there. They like discover new apples up there. Did you just call Minnesota the big apple? <laughs> I think I did. Okay. I, big apple country. So <laughs> it's some, somewhere between New York and Montana, I guess. Now, Jeremy, I think we need to have a little button. And that sets off like sirens and alarms in this studio. If we need to, we can get an app on our phones that have that dubstep horn that you hear that- DJs from. Jamaican air horn. Yeah, yeah. We need to. We need to get one of those. <laughs> we need. Yeah. We need a soundboard. Um. Anyway, in 2012, Crispin was acquired by Miller Coors. Of course. Macro alert. Um. But I guess they've kind of retained some of their cachet. Um. Because they still seem to put out limited releases, artisanal reserves. <laughs> I saw that. Um, so. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to, you know, we don't do ciders very often. I actually checked. The last time we did one was like episode 40-something. So it's, it's been a while since there's been a cider. Was that the one where li- listener Lil Mandy demanded a cider? I think she demanded the first cider. All right. And then we had, which I believe was Angry Orchard, something. Yeah, other. one of those weird ones. And then we had another that, oh, we had Ace Cider after that, oh, one yeah. of their ciders. Um, so I wanted to, you know, not knowing that much about cider, I found this Paste article on pastemagazine.com. All these articles. <laughs> written by Jim Vorrell. Oh, okay. And this was 82 of the best hard ciders, blind tasted and ranked. So I thought, this might give us some context to our taste journey. And so he goes through the top 40 and writes descriptions for them. And believe it or not, Crispin Original in the blind taste test came in at number 29. Okay. Which... For something that's so common, 29 out of 82, not too bad. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, macro, too, you know. Well, but, all right, I, I have some issues with this study already, and perhaps you're about to cover it, but how in mm-hmm. the world are you going to differentiate between 80-some-odd ciders in a blind taste test? Right. How, I mean, how do think, you know if 24 is better than 4? I think you just have to assign each one a rating and... Well, yeah, at that point, you're kind of, you have to split hairs. Mm-hmm. So, Anywho, good point. Continue. I was just, to be honest, I was surprised it was on the list. I thought it'd be like, oh, this is not, you know, hand-picked apples pressed in an old mill that is then wild yeast fermented, you know, and it would be, this is mass-produced stuff, so I thought it'd be, like, off the list, but... It's on there. I well, guess I also what... have problems with the ideas of artisans, but... <laughs> Quote-unquote artisan? Yeah. yeah. Surprise, anyway. and we may have to try more off this list, because the top one, number one rated on this list, was Angry Orchard, the old-fashioned. 
And I've it's just never heard of that. Yeah, I think it's just it's in their Orchard's Edge lineup, which I think is kind of a step up. So it, I'm, it looks like it might be accessible because a lot of the other ones on the top like ten appear to be like bomber bottles mm-hmm. with smaller companies, limited release kind of stuff. Although there is Woodchuck and Cider Boy on there, um, but yeah, so just yeah, hmm. just a little context for what we're getting into today with this cider. Yes, a crisp cider. Yes. Jeremy, do you want to go for, on the side of the bottle, the corporate text? Sure. From orchard to bottle. Crisp and ciders are naturally fermented using the raw, unpasteurized juice of fresh-pressed American apples and pears. Through classic cold fermentation and specially selected wine yeasts, we always stay true to the fruit with authentic flavors and unique aromatic notes that are only present in fresh-pressed cider. Crisp and original is crisp and refreshing, with fruit-forward green apple flavor and a subtle citrus aroma. Filtered cold for brilliant clarity. And looking at this clear bottle, which is a problem. But is it, though? Is it a clear bottle? Yes, it's a clear bottle. Look at the neck. <laughs> but is it a problem? with? I mean, with beers, you worry about it because of the hops. But with cider, maybe it doesn't matter as much. Well, you you make your own cider, put it in this bottle when we're done, <laughs> and sit it in your window and see what happens. <laughs> All right? I don't like it. Yeah, that's an interesting point because I've been, since our last cider, which I guess that was over a year and a half ago, I've been making a bunch of my own ciders and... Mm-hmm. That cider I made with that yeast from the a Trap 10. Oh, the Trap. Yeah, yeah. That was so good. Um, mm. If I may toot my own horn. Horn tutor. Uh, um, I'm, it'll be interesting. Now maybe I have a little more taste for ciders because making my own ciders gave me uh, an acquired taste for dry cider. So As well, we'll it should. How, it's the only good cider there is, Michael. We'll see how sweet this one is, but I just gave it a pour. Oh, we're opening. I didn't hear that. Yeah, it's a twist off. So, ah, uh, yeah. Well, that'll do I, it. That's so kind of stealthy. Twist off is uh, that's strike one. That's the hit the macro alert button. <laughs> yeah. Although it is brilliantly clear. Wait, does it have brilliant clarity? Is that what it's? At? Yes. <laughs> it does have brilliant clarity. I would agree. No head, which very to be expected. Oh yeah. Because there's no proteins or anything in there to cling on to for those little bubbles. Definitely. Uh, Michael, this has a delicious nose to it. It does. It's appalicious. It's It smells like green apple. Yeah, very green. Granny Smith. God, smell. Have you ever tried eating a Granny Smith just like hand fruit style? Hands free? No, hand fruit style where you just like grab it and chomp into it. As opposed to, like, slicing it up. Oh, yeah, I do that all the time. I love would, Granny would, Smith. Really? Mm-hmm. They're, they're too tart for me. I go with a yeah. Gala or Braeburn. Uh, try a Pink Lady. Those are those really are, good. Those are also delicious, yes. Honeycrisp, a little too rich for my blood. Yeah. And all this, or don't get me started on organic nonsense. Yeah. Anywho. Uh... $3.99 a pound instead of $1.88. <laughs> anyway. Michael, how about you? You go in. There's, uh, it's. It looks like a cider. It's pale yellow, maybe a little bit lighter than a straw. It's, well, it's brilliantly clear and it smells delicious. So I'm going mm. in because I'm assuming you've already have. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, it almost has like a 
bitter quality to it. Hmm. Very fruit forward flavor and almost not like a sweet fruit. Like, I don't know, like maybe like a dried apple. Very much so. It uh, just seems like a real dense apple flavor. It almost, almost disturbingly apple-y. Hmm. This is incredibly apple-y. Um, with a lot of the ciders that I've had, um, mm. namely in Cardiff, Wales, when I went on my cider uh-huh. tear, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. it tastes like apple cider as opposed to an apple, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. It, it has those dry characteristics that come from you know, just the natural fermentation process or the aging process or whatever process I can't really think of right now. But you're right. This does taste like those uh, bags of, like, dried apple rings or mm-hmm. fruit yeah. jerky or fruit leather, I suppose yeah. it's called. Um, it's sort of like uh, the diamond of what coal are to, like, regular green apples. Diamonds are to this. This is just kind of compressed and smashed down. Into yeah, a- yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. It's not overtly sweet, and it's not overtly dry. It kind of straddles that line a little bit. It just has this really fruit, fruity, fruity flavor. Very fruity. Um, do you get any of the citrus or the pears that it, ale- it allegedly has? Mm, maybe. I just get like this dull thump of bitterness on the back of my tongue, which is strange for a cider. And maybe that is some of that pear technology in there. I don't know. <laughs> pear technology, eh? Um, All right, there's the episode title. Yeah. Now, is there pears in here, or is that just Crispin in general saying there's pears? Crispin original. Uh, yeah. well, never mind. Okay, never mind. Because there's two little paragraphs, but yeah. Oh. Made from fresh pressed American apples. All right. Well. And I couldn't find the varieties they use. And usually cider varieties are kind of unheard of anyway. Um, ing- you don't eat them. So here's your ingredients, Michael. Okay. Fresh pressed ap- hard apple cider. Duh. Filtered water. Okay. Apple juice concentrate as a finishing sweetener. Mmm. Aha. There it is. That makes sense. Natural flavor. Malic acid, which I assume is a preservative. Malic acid is actually, um, That's... you know, Sour Patch Kids? Yeah. The dust on them that makes them sour is malic acid. It sounded familiar, but... Yes. Interesting. Um, so, question I have for you. Do you think that this lacks an identity, or does it? Is it really balanced? I'm kind of in between the two. I mean, it's balanced in terms of um, dryness and sweetness, which to me is like the primary criteria for a cider. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the flavor profile, like that apple juice concentrate you mentioned, I think that is throwing this off for me. It's not balanced in that regard. Interesting. And it's not necessarily too sour either. Oh, no, Lord, no. Yeah. This, um, I feel that this would be a good stepping stone for the Angry Orchard fans to go from this to a more traditional dry British cider. Yeah, the Angry Orchard we had on the show was quite sweet. Comically sweet. Um, that's a good way to say it. It's it's That stuff is way too sweet for my palate. But I can also see if someone is doesn't like beer, like listener Lil Mandy, <laughs> rather than just stick to the super sweet ciders and prevent me from having any, <laughs> this would be a good way to sort of not wean you off of the sweet ciders, but to sort of 
like swing you over to more of yeah. a uh, uh oh like a woodchuck or something yeah. along those lines. Cast your net a little wider. Yeah. So in that respect, I think this this one's actually pretty good. I I I dig this cider, Michael. I don't know if it has staying power, and I also mm-hmm. don't know if it's because we've you know been sitting here jabbering for half an hour, but it feels like this one would be better cold and probably better on tap. That's a good factor too, I think. Uh-huh. A good point. Um, I, th- I, I now I believe the clear bottle has had an impact on this flavor too, because it's and it's also pushing the expiration. I think it expires in July. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah! Wow! Yeah, it is. This is uh, kind of the tail end of one of our beer swaps, so eh, it's it's fine. Yeah, but when in clear bottle, it, it makes me a little concernicus. But um, concernicus, eh? <laughs> I'd pull out an old Dane Cook reference for you. That there. was horrible. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a Dane Cook reference. Yeah. Huh. Right, should we rate it? Let's do that. Yeah, let's let's. <laughs> we found in in FDC. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, we're gonna R the C now. Yes. Royal Crown. <laughs> do you want to go? I'll go first. I yeah, guess. go for it. I'm, I'll set the. I'm mulling. <laughs> Isn't that a process in making cider? Mulling the apples or something? I don't know. Isn't that when you like put a bunch of spices in it and like sit it on the the stovetop for a while? Yes, that is it. <laughs> okay. Because I think it would already be cider. We could mold this cider. I do have <laughs> some cinnamon and nutmeg in the other room. Now, maybe I'm becoming a cider snob. Of course. With all the ciders I make. Here it is. Michael's too good. My yeast is better than your yeast. Second generation artisanal yeast. I want to try um, more ciders. Uh-huh. Um, I, unfortunately, I just got the next beers for the swap, and it does not include a cider. But ah. uh, Wow, you're way ahead of the, the curve, Michael. <laughs> I, I haven't even thought about it yet. Oh, yeah. Anywho. Maybe we won't wait 70 episodes for the next one. You're not my boss. <laughs> I mean, well, please, Jeremy, go right ahead. All right, fine, I will. <laughs> um. I'm gonna. I was gonna give it a higher rating than this, but the last drink I had it just brought a talent. I'm gonna give this one a 2.75. Interesting. What what's uh what's dragging it down? It's that that concentrate. It's it's too heavy of a flavor. It's not very heavy handed. Not delicate enough. Um, yeah, I could see that. And kind of aimless in the other departments. Um. So. So in an ideal cider, like. What would need to be different about this to make it to give it a better rating for you? Almost more like champagne-like qualities. Um, so it would need to be drier. Drier, a little more effervescence. That's another thing we really didn't talk about. But it, it, you know, it's carbonated, but it's not like it's it's not fizzing like a champagne. Yeah, it's not dancing across the tongue. Um, it it entrances into lights. <laughs> it could be a little more if it was a little more sour. That'd be fine with me. That's. Not a plus or minus necessarily. Sour but, or tart? Um, tart. I okay. guess I would say. Uh, sour has a different connotation these days, Michael. Yeah. Also, probably the what is this ABV? I didn't say five percent ABV, which is pretty. But the ciders I end up making, I think, are I don't know. I just let them run wild. So thirteen, probably, fourteen. <laughs> maybe not that high, but probably like seven-ish. Maybe, um, and I think that helps the flavor too. Again, gives it more of that champagne-like quality. 
Um, I mean, this one's definitely not bad. I think you said, like, if it were on tap, it'd probably be better. Oh, yeah. Um, a little more crisp in the crispin if it was on tap, but... So, yeah, it's nothing to uh, write home about, but I, th- I agree with your assessment with the kind of transitioning off mm-hmm. of the sweet cider, though. So it has use in that regard. So, Michael, uh, let me know if you would try any of these variants. Okay. There is the Bonnie and Clyde, unfiltered cider from heirloom apple wine, aged in Chardonnay oak barrels. That sounds pretty crazy. These all sound fantastic. Yeah. Uh, cream cider, a nitro cider. Mm-hmm. Is this, these are all Crispin? Uh, it's on the Wikipedia page. I would like to try nitro cider. That sounds really weird. Wild. Yeah. Uh, I think the one that is most curious is, the, and I'm going to botch this pronunciation, but Chotokyu made with sake yeast and organic rice syrup. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be really good. But um, See, that's why I think Crispin, despite being a macro, still has some chops because they... Have some of this weird stuff. Brer Rabbit, unfiltered cider with rhubarb and elderberry, aged in Merlot barrels. How about this? The Saint, made with Belgian Trappist yeast and organic maple syrup. Yeah, the maple's kind of throwing me off. That, uh, that could, well, it works for oatmeal. Jeremy, give me your rating, though, here. Michael, I'm going to go with a 3.25. Okay. It's I like this cider, but it... It's not terribly complex. I'm with you in thinking that it needs a little bit more of a dry champagne characteristic for my taste. I do like the fact that it's able to straddle that sweet and dry line. I like. I suspect had they not put that apple concentrate in there, this thing would be brutally dry. Could be, yeah. And I think that's what's given us the uh, just that crazy appley taste, mm-hmm. and the uh, the concentrate is what's giving us the sweetness on the back end. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. It's 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 not bad. It's I I dig it. It's I'm not gonna go out and buy a six pack anytime soon, but it would pass the cooler test. Oh yeah, that'd be actually a kind of a fun one to see, like see in there. Like oh yeah, I'll I'll mess with this one. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, uh, so Jeremy, do you want to do some social media plugs? Sure. You can find us at American Pale Males APM Pod on everything. We are at, at APM Pod on Twitter. Send us some tweets. We get weird things every now and then. Uh, we get breweries every now and then tweeting at us, and it makes me happy when we have those. Yes. <laughs> uh, you can find us at APMPod at gmail.com. If you agree or disagree, send us your takes, hot or cold or mild. And don't say that you're giving us a take because I've, I'm growing to despise that language. <laughs> If you have to say something as a hot take before you say it, it means you're being a contrarian for no good reason. But uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Google Music, on Stitcher. Write a review, why don't you? And you can find us on Facebook at APM Pod. You can find us at uh, what's that thing with the movies? Oh, yeah, YouTube. We have a YouTube <laughs> account. And you can hop yeah. on there and see Michael's little. Uh, viral clips? I don't. I mean, are they viral before they go viral? I don't know, but they sure are shareable. <laughs> I I'm still hoping to find a, a B-sides YouTube movie at some point when we have enough garbage of what we jabber about before or after the mics oh, go like hot behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, my um, grill doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, my oh yeah. I don't know if I was recording what I was ranting about that earlier, but I might have been. But things like that. Yes. 
But yeah, just hit us up. Let us know what you think. If there's something you want us to try, a style, a brewery, a specific beer, let us know. Michael, I don't know if he remembered it, but to tease, I think uh, Council of the Show may have brought us something back from Montana. Oh, look forward to that. I told Thank him not you, to bring back Moose Drool. Yeah, that's a widely available. Whether whether or not it happens, <laughs> yeah, whether or not it happens, uh, I haven't seen him yet. Okay, but until then, Michael, that's a mm-hmm. that's another one down the gullet. Indeed, it is. So for Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I have been Jeremy. You've been listening to American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>